in a number of the different real estate investing networks or communities that I'm in, if people are just starting out, this is exactly the question that I ask them because, because the glamour is, yeah, I'm going to self-manage and I'm going to start with one and then I'm going to do Airbnb and I'll flip it and house hack and then have 10 and a hundred doors. I'm like, okay, well, since I've been there for the past 10 years of my life, let me tell you what that actually looks like. That means date nights are spent doing spackling or sanding or when a contractor walks off a job and you have a tenant moving in in three days. That means doing the drywall yourself. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. This is the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Corinne Altamare. And today we're talking about active versus passive real estate investing and really the deeper questions you need to ask. No, no, we're not talking necessarily about the money, right? We're talking about the commitment. We're talking about the meaning to you in your life, what you can achieve. And then once you hit a level of financial independence, what are you gonna do, right? Corinne and her husband are successful real estate investors. Just give you a couple of stats here. 16 self-storage facilities, over 150 mixed use and commercial doors. They've done so much, a lot more than many others, and they just keep going. We recorded this interview on a Tuesday night at 6 p.m., right? And someone in her position, she doesn't really need to be talking to me in the evening, right? I mean, she doesn't need to be talking with us. They could just kick back and enjoy their, you know, enjoy their lives and not work anymore. But they're still hustling, they're still driving. And that's what we're getting at today is why when, when you reach that level of financial success, why not just go sit on a beach? What, what is going to keep driving you? And it's something that it seems like an easy question to answer, but it's not. Once you hit that financial point, what are you going to do, right? That's what you need to ask yourself when you hit financial independence, when you hit that financial goal that you have, whatever it is, what are you going to do after that? What's the next step? And for many investors, that next step is not going and sitting on a beach, not just sitting around all the time, because that's not fulfilling at the end of the day. So a lot of big questions in this one, but really active versus passive investing. How committed are you? And then once you reach your financial goal, what are you going to do and why? Big questions in this one. She's a successful real estate investor with residential real estate, self-storage, love all of it. And this is a great interview. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you haven't done so yet and you enjoy the show, please take a moment, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate that so much because that helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me the warm and fuzzies because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. No matter what podcast app you use, if you enjoy the show, take a second, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. Love self-storage, love residential real estate, and I love the big questions about what we're going to do when we achieve our financial goals. And then also, how committed are we to getting there? How are you going to do it? Big questions today with Corinne Altamare. Without any further ado, here we go. Corinne, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Taylor, for having me. Glad to be here. Well, it's been great talking with you so far and very impressive track record that you have. And I think we're going to have a great conversation for our listeners today so they can learn more about what's the right fit for them uh, as far as being an active versus a passive investor goes. But for our listeners out there who don't know about you and everything that you've done, can you give us an intro to yourself and your business and what you do? 
Cliff Notes, the past 10 years in <laughs> under two minutes. Here we go. <laughs> All right. So I'm on my third career. Uh, my first career was in music, a uh, professionally trained classical musician. And then I had a brief stint of running my father's law office as a paralegal. Both my parents are entrepreneurs, so I'm very lucky to come from entrepreneurial roots. Um, and then I had a brief stint as an IT project manager. I landed um, working for the Federal Reserve in Philadelphia when I relocated from West Coast to East Coast on a musician's contract. Did not pay my rent, so I needed a day job. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I liked the day job. I had an amazing boss and he super encouraging of me figuring out kind of the corporate career path. And so I ended up doing five years and one month there because I had to be in for that amount of time to be fully vested in my 401k match from my wonderful employer. Um, <laughs> and so as soon as I qualified as a W-2 employee, thanks to my parents being entrepreneurs and being real estate investors themselves, I took those paychecks to the bank in order to get pre-qualified to start real estate investing. And since I'm in Philly, I started and I needed a place to live anyway. <laughs> so I started looking for a small multifamily that I could purchase as an owner-occupant, live in one unit, rent out the others, have, have my tenants um, pay my mortgage and my bills. Because in the back of my mind, I wasn't sure if I was done with my music career. And so I wanted to start building myself a little bit of a... Of a cushion if I decided I wanted to leave the W-2 and go back to hustling as an artist full-time, living gig to gig or whatnot. So that really fast-tracked my initial investing strategy. I met my now husband and business partner while I was hunting properties. Um, he thought it was totally cool to spend all of our date nights touring properties and <laughs> neighborhoods. And then when I closed on the property, it needed to be fixed up. So we were sanding and painting and drywall and doing some light plumbing. <laughs> so our whole courtship was real estate investing related. Nice. Romantic. It was, it, you know, for whatever works for you, works for us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And so nine months after the first investment, we decided to buy a property together. Um, we started up our company, Hearthfire Holdings, as the property management face because I did not want to be physically knocking on doors and collecting rent from my tenants. I wanted there to be a little bit of a, of a business buffer. So we bought the next one together. And that one, we connected with a developer. The city of Philadelphia had this 10-year tax abatement program going on for all kinds of foreclosed and otherwise defunct properties. This developer was just uh, was just crushing it and getting those properties from the city and flipping them. So we had handshake deals. The properties never hit the market. And we started syndicating uh, with our family and friends to purchase those small multifamilies throughout the city of Philadelphia and uh, built up a portfolio of six properties within the next two years. And we were, and so our property management arm built up, right? We built out our, our syndication services as far as pooling our investors, built up the property management. Our careers were both growing in our W-2s. We got married at some point in there as well. <laughs> um, and then we um, we eventually got to a point where we were somewhere between 100 and 150 doors and both doing our full-time day jobs. And I was about to have our daughter and we were like, okay, somebody needs to be full-time. If we're going to go with real estate 
And we're going to like continue to grow this and continue to see where things go. One of us needs to step back from the day job. So that was me. And so I kept a tiny human alive and managed to build our business. The first two years of her life, she was essentially just connected to me at all times. She was a fantastic leasing agent, my baby daughter, I mean, (laughs) because she just sold apartments like you wouldn't believe. Um, And we and our business continued to grow and it grew enough that the year following uh, my husband also quit his job. So we quit pretty quickly there. Business was uh, the real estate business was growing. And so it just made sense. We we wanted the freedom of being able to set our own hours, uh, which is funny because we work more hours now than we did working for our <laughs> employer, but it's at our own, it's our own choice. Mm-hmm. Self, self-inflicted torture. <laughs> But uh, we also we were doing a fair amount of traveling for our for our jobs and spending a lot of time in meetings, uh, uh, enacting directions from on high and not seeing things get accomplished as quickly as what we were able to do in the first couple of years of our hustle. Right. Um, I'm sure I'm talking about more than two minutes at this point. But as we continue to grow, we we wanted to continue to grow with multifamily because that's where we that's kind of what we knew. That's that was our going in premise. I was going in with the first purchase in 2012 that I would be a long-term buy and hold investor, just continue to build this portfolio of multifamily. And the the numbers in Philadelphia were getting crazy. And we started to reevaluate, well, maybe we'd be better serving ourselves and our investors to do a sale now. And redeploy all those gains into a larger project, like less roofs to manage for me being boots on the ground, doing the leasing and kind of, and maintenance management. Cause that's, that's our, our division. Sergio is numbers, high level strategy. He's CEO and I'm COO. I'm operations. I'm that side of the shop and he's numbers and strategy and big vision picture thinker. And the more that we learned and the more that we experienced in real estate investing and in the grind and sending our maintenance crews from this, that, and the other property, and just the amount of travel time in between properties, for me, it was it, it just seemed so much more simpler to consolidate under one larger roof. So our going in premise, as we came to that realization and decided that, that was going to be the next stage of our evolution was, okay, so we'll go into larger multifamily. Makes sense. The numbers in larger multifamily weren't making sense at that point in the cycle and for where we were, because we have always been hands-on property managers, asset managers. I wanted something within a two-hour radius that I could get to, God forbid, in the case of an emergency. So we weren't finding anything that made sense for us or for our investors, because we always invest alongside with them. We, we invest as LPs as well as being the GPs in our syndications. And So we started looking at different asset classes and stumbled upon self-storage. And that was 2016, 2017, late 2016, early 2017. And for me, the operations and management model, going from managing tenants and navigating landlord-tenant law and all of that (laughs) to self-storage, which is so much simpler. And also more of a much more of a business in conjunction with being a real estate asset, right? It's it's really it really has this business model that 
that uh, you see more similarities to um, hospitality industry as far as dynamic pricing models or airline industries and travel, things like that. Whereas based on your occupancy, you can really play with the numbers and you don't have the same sort of caps that you would in residential comps, for example. So me being the operations person and being tired of sending my maintenance crews all across the city in the suburbs, I was like, yes, all in. Let's sell these, the six first syndications. Let's go in on one big self-storage deal. Let's see what that's like. And so we did successfully close on our first one in 2019. So 17 to 19, those two years were, we were positioning, I'm just telling you my whole life story on the first question. I love it. I love it. We're gonna I just get realized that. I'm just gonna yeah. go. We'll get through this interview in like 10 minutes. So those two years between 17 and 19, we were educating ourselves on the differences between self-storage and multifamily, educating our investor pool, networking with brokers uh, who were niche in this market, making those connections, and then underwriting and making offers and getting outbid and, and having those conversations with the brokers and saying, hey, this is the best number that we can come up with. Uh, I understand that you got a better offer. Let, you know, building those, building those relationships, right? So that they understand that we're not just throwing out numbers on an offer, but that we're really thinking through this to make sure that we can deliver. And so it was eventually with a broker that we had bid on a couple of his other listings. And finally, we were the successful offer on, on this first project that we closed on in 19. And I'm going to stop there in the story of my life <laughs> and let you ask a question or two. <laughs> so there, there is a lot that is very striking about your story, right? And we've only got, we've got limited time here, right? And I don't believe in the fourth wall as far as podcasts go. So for our listeners out there, so you know what we're doing right now as we record this, it's a Tuesday night. It's a Tuesday after Labor Day, actually. And it is what 6 29 p.m so just about 6 30 p.m corinne is talking with me right now and talking with you but that's when we're recording it that is a lot of hustle and that's you know for somebody that doesn't have a day job right somebody if you're out there thinking you know you want to escape your w2 are you willing to put in the work and i mean podcasting is not i guess that hard to do but it's still after hours and corinne the conversation that i really wanted to have with you today was how do you know whether the active hustle side like you're doing is right for you compared to passive, hey, I just want to re earn a return on my money because you take the active side, but you work with a lot of passive investors for your deals. So, you know, let's break into that because so many people out there are thinking, man, I want to escape my W-2, but are they willing to hustle like you are even years after you both escaped your W-2s? I will never, ever, ever, ever forget putting in a long day at the office and I was in my, you know, my office suit, not tie, but suit pumps, you know, the, the equivalent. And in Philly, the basements flood sometimes because of our <laughs> high water table, right? And we had had a storm. I had some pumps in the basements. They were clogged or whatever. And I wrapped up my work day at five o'clock, hopped on the subway to go to one of these properties. And I was vacuuming up water in the basement in my heels and my office attire, because that's what you do <laughs> mm -hmm. when you're an active investor. And so, I mean, there's some great stories about that. Um, there are, of course, in our early, early days, uh, we use a, a phone system now, but in our early days, we just used Google Voice that rang our cell phones. So 
I had a couple crazy tenants that would blow up my phone somewhere between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. on a weekend night, you know, and navigating the fine line between being a responsive property owner and because you can't turn your phone off, right? So at what point, how do I how do I put my phone on do not disturb to filter out the crazies so that I can sleep, but also keep my phone available for true emergencies, right? Um, that was something in our early years uh, as we were growing and as we um, honestly weren't sure if we were going to make this a full-time active thing, because as I said, when I first started, you know, it was just uh, me building myself a little bit more of a financial base for me to m- maybe go off and do my artistic endeavors in Europe for a year. Who knows? Um <laughs> Could still do that. Could still, possibly. <laughs> so yes, um, that is definitely a consideration. And in a number of the different real estate investing networks or communities that I'm in, if people are just starting out, this is exactly the question that I ask them because because the glamour is, yeah, I'm going to self-manage and I'm going to start with one and then I'm going to do Airbnb and I'll flip it and house hack and then have 10 and a hundred doors. I'm like, okay, well, since I've been there for the past 10 years of my life, let me tell you what that actually looks like. That means date nights are spent doing spackling or sanding, or when a contractor walks off a job and you have a tenant moving in in three days, that means doing the drywall yourself. (laughs) So that's the trade-off. It's working well for us so far, and I wouldn't trade it for the world, but there's, I have more white hairs than when I began. (laughs) And um, it's been 10 years. So I have earned those white hairs, but there's, there's a lot of sleepless nights because you are providing other people home and shelter and and safety. And that's a big responsibility to do it right, right? I, I have no interest in being a slumlord. So to do it right and to bear that commitment to the building, to the neighborhood, and to the people who are hoping to live their lives to the best of their capabilities inside of those buildings, that 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 is a huge responsibility. Yeah, very much so beyond you know, what the law requires of us, just good ethics and, you know, good behavior require us to, to do a bit more, right? Yeah. That that's always been our going in approach. Other people have a different one and it works fine for them. So we all have to face ourselves in the mirror every morning. So whatever works for you, but <laughs> yeah. So you've, you've achieved a lot of things that, you know, a lot of folks out there and listening to us right now are thinking, man, I want to do that. But you, you know, you're at a point where if I'm reading between the lines, well, you could basically set things up pretty quickly so that you could just sail off into the sunset and go move to Europe or do whatever, or as the case may be, get an RV and drive around, live your life however you want, location independent. I guess what prevents you from doing that? Why are you talking to me at 6.30 PM on a Tuesday when you could be doing, I don't know, anything else? Shoot, you could probably be on vacation right now, wherever you want. You don't have a boss telling you you need to be at the office tomorrow morning. So what keeps the hustle going? It's interesting. It, it's a really good challenge. It's a different challenge. I mean, you were talking to someone who at the age of 16 sang her first full operatic role with a full orchestra. I mean, that's a whole other backstory and we don't have the time to go into it. But you were talking with someone who has maybe an interesting threshold for work, for a challenge, for trying out new things. And building a business is all of that and more. And what's been really especially exciting the past 
two years, really solidly the past two years, because this massive V curve of growth that we've been on since the first self-storage acquisition has been since August 2nd of 2019. And at that point, we were a team of two and we are now a team of 16. And that's a whole other, I mean, it's, there are larger, there are larger growth patterns out there in a two year, in a two year time period, but it's been, it's been big for us. And it's a whole other level of learning. So the first eight years, we're learning how to stand up the business and operate the business. And now we are learning how to grow the business so that I don't have to do the showings, that I'm not coordinating. That's not true. I'm still coordinating teams of maintenance, but I'm coordinating the people coordinating them. And building the team so that I don't have to be in the day-to-day quite so much and and, and building the, this team and assembling, I could go on for a while. I won't, Taylor. I won't. But we have it. been absolutely blessed to have attracted people on similar wavelengths as us to, to join our company. So the, the, the company is my husband and I who started this. My sister-in-law is on our team. The best man at our wedding is on our team. Uh, a couple of the other new partners who have come in have connected with Sergio through um, GoBundance, which if you're not familiar with the okay. network has been amazing, life-changing for us. Really just people on such similar wavelengths. And so now the the why I continue this hustle, why I'm talking with you on a 6.30 on a Tuesday night is because we are building something that continues to evolve beyond my original dreams. I mean, this is this is turning into something that I could not have imagined. And it's so flippin' exciting and cool to do it with people who I genuinely love and respect and seeing them grow along with us and along with the company and, 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 and seeing the small part that we are playing as shepherds of all of this growth not to mention the returns that we're giving to our passive investors <laughs> and the families that we're impacting and the lives that we're changing there. So that's why I am doing what I am doing right now. Well, that's interesting. You've uh, it's you've got like a, a new and deeper purpose to it, I suppose. At a certain point, you said early on, it was basically building wealth and you know making some money. And then it got to the point where it is over the course of a decade. And now you've you've got another purpose with providing others return and building a bigger business and you know just kind of learning all of these things um, along the way. At least that's that's what I'm getting out of it. I certainly don't mean to put words in your mouth. Oh, thank you for saying it more succinctly. As you're getting, I go on. <laughs> um, <laughs> bigger, I mean, bigger. It's all translating a bigger impact, right? Uh, we're not growing just to grow. We're growing because. There are people that are, I've talked about the responsibility of being a landlord and, and, and maintaining a roof over your tenants, over your tenants, families and their lives and their loved ones. So the more that we grow, the more lives that we are able to impact. And I don't know what the cap is on that. So we're just, we're running with it right now and we'll see where we are in another two years. Awesome. I love that. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own. And the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. 
That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called ground floor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor, or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Corinne, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? My marriage, because Mm -hmm. my husband is my business partner. And uh, for, for people who are doing this on their own, I commend you. I don't know if I would be able to do this on my own. I have been able to do this with my best friend, my love, and we push one another. We compl- we are complete opposites and we complement one another really well. And so truly thinking about this, I mean, the best investment that I, that I have made is investing my time into my marriage with this person that I'm sharing my life with on a, on a personal and on a professional basis. I mean, it's amazing. Awesome. We had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Yeah. Share of sale, fix and flip. We are not flippers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We made money, but uh, we lost three months of our lives and it wasn't worth it. So we, we got caught up in the, everyone was flipping at this point. Everyone was going to the share of sales and whatnot. So we're like, oh yeah, we can do it. (laughs) So we did. Some really good lessons learned there. So well, I guess what went wrong with repairs way off? You pay too much? Like no, um, just the, money, the GC, so. the GC who we thought we had a like a two-year relationship with this person at that point. We thought that he could run with it. And um Sergio ended up having to spend each day on the job directing the GC, which was what we thought the GC was going to do. So it was three months of Sergio's life. And I think about three inches off his waist by the end. Um, <laughs> off so, or on his waist? Off. off. Oh, I go yeah. on. I go on. <laughs> no. no, no, he lost it. And so, you know, on paper, we made a return, but time is more valuable than money. And so that's, that was the worst investment that I would say we made, he might have a different answer, but that's what I would say. And we have not done that again. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I, I appreciate that. And the wealthiest, you know, most successful people that I talk with understand that time is more valuable than money. And I certainly appreciate that you pointed that out. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? It's more fun doing it with other folks. I have not People can misinterpret that all kinds of ways. Um, But um, as you've heard from me, 
building our team has been really, really exciting. And so the most important lesson that I am learning right now in my, where I am in my journey. So you've got a, a quick, quick high level view of where I am in my journey. But the most important lesson that I'm learning is that it's more fun. We go faster, we can do more, and it's much more enjoyable to have people on the ride to share it with you. So building, building the right team and, and then doing amazing things with them and being able to celebrate that, being able to lean on one another when things get hard or when, or when things go, go sideways, but just having, having your people around you in, in, in investing or just in life in general. Right. I mean, that's what, that's what really brings all the extra to, um, to our experience. Awesome. I love that. Our team, our social media team is definitely going to have to grab that and turn that all into uh, make it nice tweet quotes. <laughs> Wrap <and> it up. <laughs> Instagram, we're going to be blasting that out everywhere. I love that. Mm-hmm. Corinne, I want to thank you for joining us today and congratulate you on all of your success so far and so many great things to come. If folks want to reach out, they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn about future self storage deals you're working on or anything like that, where can they hunt you down? Oh, just go old school and email me, please. Corinne, C-O-R-I-N-N at hfireholdings.com. Great. Thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. I really appreciate it. That gives me the warm and fuzzies because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. That's what this is all about after all. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into, into the tribe. Excuse me, I'm mush mouth today. Don't forget to uh, subscribe, catch the show every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, and we'll catch you on the next one. Take care. Bye-bye.